Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, the online pastor here. And if it's your first time tuning in with us, we wanna say a special welcome to you. We'd love a chance to connect with you. So you can go to our website, newcity.us connect, fill the form out, and I'll be in touch with you this week. We also have an event coming up today called Group Link, and it's the best opportunity to get plugged in to a community group at New City. We have groups that are happening in person and groups that are happening online and a hybrid of the two. So if you're wanting to take that step into community, you can go to our website, newcity.us slash grouplink and register there. Now let's get ready to worship together. Welcome to New City Online. My name is Joel. Excited to worship with y'all. Wherever you are in the world, would y'all just sing with us? He's coming on the clouds. And he's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? And our God is the lion, the lion. He's roaring with power and fighting our best And every knee will bow before Him And our God is the Lamb, oh the Lamb that was slain And for the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chain And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb And every knee will bow Open up the gates, come on. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Our God who comes to save, He's here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the
for always, even when we run after you, God, you're always running a lot faster than us, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, bless this service. Give us ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for worshiping with us today. I'm joined here with my friend, Dan Nelson, and Dan is a new member of the New City family, has recently moved from California. So Dan, tell us a little bit about what led you to the Charlotte area. Sure, um, thanks, Ron. I was living in San Francisco Bay Area, and I was just so caught up with everything that was going on, uh, having to work just a thousand hours. I was working a hundred hours a week, um, and my life wasn't balanced, and so I knew that. And so I was trying to get into, to get back into where I was supposed to be in life. And so I liked California, but North Carolina calls to me, the people that were out here and so forth. So even though all my jobs and connections and friends were back there, I decided that I really felt that I needed to go there. And so I did a lot of praying and the spirit said, yes, you need to change. And Carolina is something that you should go to. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about how New City Online was a part of that decision for you. That was the big part. So I said I was going to go to Carolina and I went online and started looking at all sorts of churches, every church that I could come across. And I would look at their websites. And that was the first thing that kind of said, OK, did, did they call to me? And New City was one of the ones that all of a sudden it called to me because the website was great, had everything I wanted, the mission statement, the serving and so forth. And then you have all your sermons online that you could go back into. It's fantastic. So I went back and looked at everyone that was online and it just called to me. Pastor Chris was phenomenal and I love scripture based things. That meant something to me. So you know, I love the book of Acts where we went through that whole series it was beautiful. Uh, Sandpaper people, all my friends back there, everybody watched that because everybody could relate to that. And so I decided, even though I have a daughter living in Raleigh, I'm going to Charlotte because of New City. So New City is the reason I picked Charlotte. Don't know anybody here, I picked up and I said, I've got to follow the spirit and I came here. Wow, wow, I love it. Uh, so tell us, you, you've been in Charlotte a little while now, but Dan moved here at the beginning of the year, right when all the quarantine stuff was happening. Tell us about how that process has been and what God's taught you since you've been in Charlotte and part of New City. So I, I was a little disappointed I wasn't gonna be able to attend live services of the, because of the quarantine, but I had been in, California watching New City every week. So it was kind of the same thing. So it wasn't, a, but Andrea was fantastic. She got me into serving. I said that I wanted, reached out to me, did all sorts of opportunities. Whenever something came up, she reached to me first, said, you want to do this? I met everybody. So the people I've met, all the New City people have been fantastic. So I've done a lot of different serving. Uh, I was out at the Marshville Project and was doing things there. And it was Nehemiah, ability versus availability. I don't have the ability, but I had the availability. So Mike England was my Nehemiah helping me get things done. So it was just that and get to meet everybody. And then I finally also got into um, a group that, and thank you, that was you helping me out with that. So I got into a group, which has been just fantastic. Just what I've really wanted and been able to go to services. Um, and so I, right now I can tell you hundred percent, I made the right choice coming here. I'm living the dream every day. Oh. I love it, man. Well, we're so glad to have you part of New City. And we love hearing these only God stories like Dan's that make a lot of Jesus and not ourselves and celebrate him as our king. So if you have an only God story that you want to share, we'd love to hear it. And we'd love for you to share New City online with your friends and family, no matter where they are, because you never know the impact it's going to have in someone's life. As we enter into our time of giving, I'd love to pray for you, Dan. Um, but also, if you want to partner with New City and the work that we're doing here, you can go to our website, newcity.us give for more information. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Dan. Thank you for his life. Thank you for meeting him, uh, Father, and using the tools of technology to reach him. 
Father, thank you that he's part of our, our, our new city family now and uh, that we together can continue to bring gospel renewal to this city and to your world. In Christ's name, amen. Well, now we're going to go to Chris Payne, who's going to continue our Nehemiah series with part six. I heard this story about a missionary family that was living somewhere in South America. And one night the, the family was heard yelling and screaming and they came running out of their house and all this commotion was happening in the middle of the night and the villagers, the community couldn't understand what the family was saying, what they were, were yelling about and finally one of them was able to make out the word snake. So there was a huge snake that had come into their house there in the village and it was ready to attack. And in the middle of the night, this family woke up. I guess it had knocked something over. They saw the snake. They were screaming and yelling. They couldn't hardly catch their breath. If you're like me, when I see a snake, I feel the same way. And some of you, even right now, your hearts are kind of racing as you think about seeing a snake, a huge snake in your house in the middle of the night. And so the whole village was awakened. They come out to see you know, all this commotion and what's going on. And they realize there's the snake in this house. And then finally, as the whole village is gathered there that night around this family, one of the villagers takes a machete and they walk into the hut and they chop the snake's head off. And you think, whoa, well, that's quite an ending to this story. But that's not the end of the story. It turns out that even after the snake had been killed, even after his head had been cut off, his body continued to twist and to turn and to cause a huge amount of destruction to the family's home. It was all their pots and their pans came out of the cabinets. Their furniture was destroyed. It turns out that a snake, especially a snake of that size, can do a lot of damage even after it's been killed. And it reminds us that we face an enemy that has even today been defeated. His head has been crushed by Jesus but he still can inflict an enormous amount of damage on our lives and our family's lives and our, in our city and our country and in our world. We have a defeated enemy that, that still wants to cause as much destruction and defeat and wants to attack us as much as he can on the way out. If you have your Bibles today, I wanna to encourage you to open them to Nehemiah chapter six. And we're gonna continue our, our journey together through the story of Nehemiah here at New City. And as you're turning to, to Nehemiah chapter six, again, you can, if you have your scriptures open there, if you have the app, it's already preloaded with the outline and the study notes. As you're turning there and finding your place in the sixth chapter, let me just give a little bit of recap for context of where we are as we pick up the story today in Nehemiah six. Nehemiah has been working on rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. He's rallied the people together in Jerusalem around this project that turns out was more than just a construction project. It was really a, a rebuilding of the people of God. But again, the enemy doesn't give up easy. And so when we uh, find them here in chapter six, they're almost completed with the project. Uh, Nehemiah tells us that, that all that's left is for the gates to be put into place to, to finish the project. But we have this persistent enemy that even though he's been defeated, 
doesn't give up and continues to attack. And, and for the story of Nehemiah, he continues to ad- attack Nehemiah. And specifically in chapter 6, we're going to see some very um, pointed and specific attacks at Nehemiah himself as a leader. You know, there's, a, there's an old military adage of when in doubt, aim for flags or aim for antennas maybe today. Aim for the leader because if you can take out the leader or the leadership, oftentimes you can take out the army or the people. And so in Nehemiah chapter six, the enemy doesn't give up. He's persistent in his attacks. And now these attacks come specifically at Nehemiah as they're near the completion of the wall. And so there's three different attacks that we're gonna see against Nehemiah. And here's the deal, guys. The enemy that continues to attack us isn't super creative. It's the same attacks today against us, our families, our children, as Nehemiah is experiencing in Nehemiah chapter 6. So as we, as we learn about these three specific attacks that, that come against Nehemiah here in our text today, let, let's listen and pay attention for the same attacks that come against us, our children, our family, uh, as the people of God today. So Nehemiah chapter 6, these, these three attacks against Nehemiah. Attack number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Attack number one is the attack of compromise. And we see that specifically in verses one through four. Let me read it to you from Nehemiah chapter six. The word of God to you today. Now Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I, this is Nehemiah speaking, first person historical narrative, that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it. Although up until this time, we had not set the doors and the gates. So it's almost completed. All we got to do is set the doors and the gates, Nehemiah says. And my enemies, Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah, they, they heard about this. Verse two, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hecapurim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. Verse three, and I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. I love this. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And when they sent to me four times in this way, I answered them in the exact same manner. The first attack that comes against Nehemiah here in Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 14 today is the attack of compromise. They want to pull Nehemiah down off the wall and have him compromise his calling and the work that God has called him to, specifically rebuilding the wall. And, and, And this attack of compromise comes in a very appealing way. And oftentimes from the enemy today against us or our kids or our family, it comes in a way that might sound pleasing, specifically here in verses 1 through 4 uh, to Tobiah and Geshem and uh, Sanballat, these three guys that are constant enemies of the work of Nehemiah and represent a larger enemy, enemy, the enemy against the work of God and his kingdom. They say, hey, come and meet us in this place. The place is the, the plain of Ono. It was about 20 miles north of Jerusalem where Nehemiah is in the story. And, and they say, hey, come, come and meet us halfway between Samaria and, and Jerusalem in this, in this beautiful valley, this, this vacation spot, if you will. And and we'll sit down together by the fire and we'll, we'll reason together and we'll, we'll kind of talk this out. So this first attack, again, is, is compromise. So, so leave your work, leave what God's told you to do, uh, leave God's will and come and let's sit and, and kind of have a little vacation and a little summit together and talk this through. See if we can work out a, a deal between one another and compromise. Now, now, now don't get me wrong. Compromise and cooperation can be a wonderful thing. 
The Bible says that as much as it depends on us as, as God's people, we should live at peace with, with, with one another. And so uh, compromise and, 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 and being able to cooperate with other people when it's in a godly manner can be, can be wonderful things. But, but let me be clear, that's not what's happening here in Nehemiah chapter 6. It, it, compromise and cooperation can become a very negative thing and can pull you off of God's will when it's compromising with the enemy and something that's clearly not of God. Let me say it a different way. If you invite the devil, our enemy, if you invite the serpent to come and join your family, to come and join your team, to come and join your business, to, to come and join your organization, your church, your city, your community, your neighborhood, he's gonna ruin everything. If you invite the devil to play on your team, he's not gonna pass the ball. He's not gonna pass the ball. He's gonna change all the rules. He's gonna ruin your team. And so in that way, compromise can be such a negative attack against the will of God in your life. And we have to be on guard against that because it can sound really good. Hey, let's reason together. Let's compromise. Let's cooperate with each other. Hey, come and meet us in this scenic place. But Nehemiah is discerning enough according to God's will and what God has already spoken to him to realize this, this, this doesn't sound like my enemies. This doesn't sound reasonable to me. Something's up. They want to kill me. They want to assassinate me. They want to pull me away from what God's called me to. And they want to end my life so they can end the work. And so Nehemiah says no to Ono. You like that? Nehemiah says no to Ono, this place that they had called him to to compromise because he knew first and foremost that they wanted to kill him. Look at verse two. And then secondly, he was convicted about the work that God had called him to. Nehemiah six verses three and four. I love this word. Circle verse three in your Bibles. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Why should the work that God has clearly called me and us to as his people stop while we come down and try to compromise with you, unreasonable people? This is such a great word for us today. So many of you are right smack dab in God's will for your life. As you parent your children, as you lead your business, as you uh, bring about God's kingdom in this city and in, in, in the community and in the world in different ways, as you support the work of God all around the globe. And what the enemy first and foremost wants to do in his attack is to, to get in there and cause you to compromise or second guess. And I love the clarity of, of, of Nehemiah's conviction. And, and again, circle verse three, because maybe this is a word that you need to put on a, on a mirror as you get ready every morning or you know, as you sit down at your dining room table or as you, for those of you who might be homeschooling right now or shepherding your children through online school or whatever that might look like for you, God's called you to this great work. And you shouldn't come down off of that. You shouldn't compromise what could be good things for God's best thing. Nehemiah demonstrates to us what godly leadership uh, looks like as we follow Christ, that, that, that we're meant to pick the best things. I love what Pastor Rodney said a couple weeks ago that, that sometimes these once in a lifetime opportunities you know, are, are, are really the, the enemy's disguise of distraction. You know, these things that, that'll never come around again. I'll never have this chance again. If I don't come down off the work, if I don't stop this job, if I don't stop, you know, this thing that God's called me to right now, uh, I'll never have this opportunity again. And sometimes those once in a lifetime opportunities can, can be these great distractions that the enemy uses to cause us to compromise. And they were persistent, weren't they? Look at verse four. They come four different times and say, Nehemiah, come down off the wall. Come on, kick your feet up. Let's go to Ono. 
Let's have some, uh, you know, retreat time together, vacation time together. And let's just, let's just have a conversation. And Nehemiah sees it, what, sees it for what it really is. It's a compromise. It's a compromise to God's best. Don't sacrifice God's best in your life for the world's good. Other people's good, other good things will always be second best to God's best. His, his singular focus of will and his uh, desire for your heart and your life. Nehemiah is so clear on God's word and what God's called him to. And he stands on that wall and doesn't come down. And let's stand on what God's called us to. In his truth, let's stand and not come down and compromise. Nehemiah stood his ground because he stood with God. But here comes the second attack. Look at verses five through nine. The second attack against Nehemiah and against each of us today is the attack of slander. Another way way to say it would be gossip. Let me read verse five to you. Nehemiah says, in the same way Sanballat for the fifth time, you know, he's building off of this first attack of compromise, for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand and, 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 and it's written for everyone to see. In other words, the, the post office in Jerusalem, it's posted right there for everyone to see this open letter from, from Nehemiah's critics. And they begin to criticize him in some very specific ways. But I want you to pay attention to some of the words that are used in verses six and seven here in Nehemiah chapter six. Phrases like, it has been reported. They say, according to these reports, These are some of the same phrases that we hear today too, right? Everybody's saying this. Well, I heard some folks saying, I saw this posted somewhere. I think I read this or heard this somewhere. Isn't it amazing how much information we share? And we we don't even remember where we heard it from. And we, we say these words like, well, I think I read a report. I think I read that in an article. I saw someone post it. I'm pretty sure I heard this somewhere. Someone said to me, this is the same stuff that's happening here with this slander that comes against Nehemiah, this attack. And the enemy wants to to scare him, wants to make him afraid with these words that are written in a very open manner for everyone to see, posting it on social media for everyone to hear. And, And what are they saying specifically? Look at the passage with me. You came to Jerusalem, right? With a revolution on your mind. You wanted to overthrow the government, right? specifically the government of Persia and King Artaxerxes, who Nehemiah was serving as a cupbearer before he even came to Jerusalem. They're making all of this up and Nehemiah knows it so, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't guard him from the pain that some of those words can inflict. Isn't it hurtful when you hear gossip about you? When you hear slander that comes against you or your family or, or, or the church or the organization that you're serving, you know it's not true, but it still hurts. They say, you're, you're, you're wanting to overthrow the government. And moreover, look at the passage. You want to be the king. You wish to become the king, verse six. That's what everybody is saying. And by the way, a lot of times, everybody is like two or three people. Everybody thinks this. All kinds of people are saying this. Well, me and my brother and my friend and my aunt. Everybody thinks this. It's like, you know, the, 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 the bullfrogs in the pond, right? You know, it, they make so much racket. 
But when you drain the pond, there's like three of them down there that are carrying on. And you would have thought there were a million down there with the racket that they were making. But there was really like two or three down there making all this noise. That's a lot of times how slander is. But it sounds really loud. Everybody's saying it. You want to do this. You, you want to overthrow the king. You, you have all these evil plans, Nehemiah. That must have hurt his heart. This was your plan all along. Sanballat wanted as many people as possible to know these false allegations. He knew they were false and Nehemiah knew they were false. But sometimes perception is reality. And so he wanted to slander as much as he could in public for people to begin to doubt Nehemiah and to think that he had evil desires and not follow him. It was the perfect opportunity right here in Nehemiah 6 where they're so close to rebuilding the walls and sealing them off. It was the perfect opportunity to divide and to conquer the people. I had a mentor one time say to me, and I've never forgotten it, you know, don't try to guard your reputation, guard your character. Don't try to guard your reputation, guard your character. Isn't that a great word? It's such a great word on this second attack of slander. You, you know, you, you can't guard against what people are gonna think about you. You can't always guard against what people are gonna post about you or say about you behind your back or even to your face. But you know what you can guard? your heart, your character. Look at what Proverbs 4.23 says. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all things, what does all mean? All means all, and that's all all means. Above all things, guard your social media, your reputation, what people say about you. No, guard your heart, because why? For it is the wellspring of life. Everything flows out of your heart. What did Nehemiah take counsel of when he took counsel with himself? His heart, the truth that God had put in his heart. Guard your heart above everything else. Put God's heart, uh, God's truth deep within your heart so that you can draw upon it. You know, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. What's in your heart comes out in your words and your actions. So guard your heart, guard your character. Don't try to guard your reputation, guard your heart. Nehemiah stood his ground again here with this second attack of slander and gossip that comes against him. He stands his ground, right? Because he stood with God and stood on God's truth. But here comes the third attack. The enemy's not done. Remember, he's gonna continue to battle. He wants to take out as many people as possible, even though he already knows he's defeated. He knows what his destiny is, but he wants to bring as many of us uh, with him. He wants to destroy as much as he can while he can. And this third attack is the attack of a threat. He's going for broke here. Nehemiah's enemies are going for broke. They begin to threaten his very life. Look at verses 10 through 13. Let me, let me read it to you. Now, when I was in the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors to the temple for, listen to this, for they are coming to kill you. What a threat. They're coming to kill you specifically by night. You're never gonna see it coming, Nehemiah. You're gonna be brushing your teeth at night one night and they're gonna come and assassinate you. Look at verse 11. But I said to them, should such a man as I run away and what man such as I should go into the temple and live, I will not go in. And I understand and I saw that God had not sent him but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him for this purpose he was hired. Now listen to this. For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid 
and act in this way and sin so that they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. This third attack might be, might be um, you know, the most hurtful of all. It certainly is the most vigorous of all as they come against him. It's, the, it's this threatening of his very life. You're going to lose your life unless you stop following God and standing here on this wall. Shemaiah has, is a hired uh, prophet, right? He's hired by Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. To, and they devise this clever plan for trapping Nehemiah. They can't get him down off the wall. The open letter and slander and gossip, that doesn't work. For a lot of us, that works. That stops us. We're so afraid of what other people think about us. That doesn't stop Nehemiah. So finally, they say, you know, hey, we're going to come and we're going to kill you. And we're going to come at night. You're not, it doesn't matter how tough you are. It doesn't matter how ready you are. We're going to come at night while you're sleeping, when you least expect it, and kill you. And, and, and Nehemiah says, I love what he says here, as they, as they kind of come up with this plan to, to kill him and they give him this impression that you're never gonna make it out of here alive. I love what he says here in verse 11. He says, you know, who am I? What type of man am I that I should run? And moreover, what type of man am I that I should run away from this place and go into the temple? Again, they were using this threat to scare Nehemiah into running away from God's will. But listen, it's more than that. It's not just running away from what God wanted. It's running into something that God clearly said was off limits. And in this way, we see that Nehemiah clearly knows God's word. He knows how to stand on God's truth and to stand with God. As they threaten him and, and threaten his very life. Can you imagine? They're going to come and assassinate you at night. They're going to they're kill you, Nehemiah, if you don't stop this. So come and let's take shelter in the temple. Come off the wall. Come away from what God's called you to and come to something that God's clearly called you not to. The only a priest who had been purified was allowed to go into the temple. Uh, go back and read the story of, of Uzziah in Chronicles. He enters into the temple as king and God strikes him with leprosy, with judgment. Nehemiah knows God's word. He knows he's not supposed to be there. But he also knows God's will that he's not supposed to leave. Who am I? I love this. Circle verse 11, underline it in your Bible. Who am I that I should flee? Who am I that I should run away? Who am I that I should run to something that God's clearly told me not to run to? I love this because we see Nehemiah's heart as a true shepherd, don't we? In this third attack of threatening his very life, he's willing as a true shepherd of God's people to, to lay down his life. To, to withstand the threat of, of his very life for his people and for God's will. He doesn't abandon his post. And moreover, he doesn't run into something that clearly is out of God's will. It reminds us of Jesus's words in, in John chapter 10, as he's describing himself as the good shepherd. Listen to these words in verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who, he who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, verse 12, uh, he, who, who doesn't know the sheep. He, he sees the wolf coming. He sees the threat, in other words, and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches the sheep. Uh, but Jesus says, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I, I know my own and my, my own, they, they, they know me. They're safe with me. And I think this, this perfectly summarizes the heart of Nehemiah that his people, you know, they, they know his heart and clearly Nehemiah knows God's heart 
And he's hidden his truth deep within his heart. He's guarded his heart in that truth. So when these attacks come against him, he, he doesn't wither in the face of those threats. But he's able to stand right where God's called him to and to shepherd the people that God's called him to shepherd. And in this way, Nehemiah is a beautiful forerunner of Jesus who would ultimately come to, to be our good shepherd, who would never leave us, who would never forsake us, who would always stand with us even when we're being, especially when we're being attacked by the enemy. To add to Nehemiah's troubles, just to say as we finish, there was this prophetess who came against Nehemiah and said, all the prophets are, are, are saying bad things about you. And, and added to Nehemiah's troubles. I mean, it was just one thing after the other. Have you ever felt that way in your life? It's just coming at you from all directions, all these different attacks, whether it's compromise or, or gossip or slander or just an all-out threat to you and your safety and your life. It's coming from all directions and maybe you even feel that today. And what's at the bottom of it? Everybody lean into this as we finish today. What's at the root of all of these attacks is this thing called fear. The enemy wants to make us afraid because when we give in to fear, we oftentimes uh, stop acting in faith. We stop believing the truth that God's put in our hearts and we give ourselves over to fear. Now, now let me be clear on this. The people of God, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, God's people, uh, fear was a part of their experience. If you're gonna follow God, there's gonna be times where, when you feel afraid that's why the phrase fear not occurs over and over and over again in the Bible. The, the, the deal is this, it's not, it's not about the, the fact that you'll never be afraid if you're following God. It's about not giving into that fear and instead trusting God and living in faith, especially when you feel afraid. Because the enemy at the root, again, of all these attacks, whether it's compromise or gossip or slander or threats, it's fear. He wants us to be afraid. So, so how does Nehemiah overcome this fear? How does he continue to, to live by faith and to stand with God and stand with God's people? I wanna just give you two little insights here before we finish. There's these two short prayers that are found amidst these attacks in Nehemiah chapter six, and they're found in verses nine and 14. Look at them with me. At the end of verse nine, Nehemiah prays this quick little prayer in the midst of the second attack, this gossip that comes against him. He says, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. What a great prayer for us today. God, it's your strength, it's not my strength. As I'm being attacked by other people through their words, through their actions, ultimately by the enemy that comes against me, this is your strength, this is your deal, this is your will, God. I need you to strengthen my hands. Nehemiah knew where his strength came from. It wasn't about him, it was about God. But here's the second prayer that Nehemiah prays in verse 14. Let me read it to you. He says, Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, according to these things that they did to me and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who want to make me, what's the word? Afraid. Remember the root of all the enemy's attack, all of his attacks in your life against you, against your family, against the family of God, all of them are rooted in fear whether it's compromise, whether it's uh, slander, whether it's threats, they're all rooted in fear. And Nehemiah recognizes that for what it is. And may we do the same. And he says, remember me, God, and remember my enemies. Remember what they've done. 
You know, oftentimes when we're under attack, and again, I know many of you feel that way right now. You feel uh, pressured, you, you feel slandered, you feel all kinds of things that might be coming against you. Whatever that might look like or feel like today, just know that God sees you. Most of us, when we're under attack, we just need to know that God's with us, that he loves us, that his, that his promises are true, that he remembers us. And these are two beautiful prayers to, to pray yourself in the midst of attack that Nehemiah models for us. God, would you strengthen my hands? Would you remember the people that are attacking me? And, and, and might I remember that the ultimate motive of all that is to make me afraid, to make me fearful and compromise my faith. How did Nehemiah overcome these attacks that we read about today in Nehemiah 6? The attack of compromise, the attack of slander, the, the attack of, of threats on his, even on his very life. How did Nehemiah overcome this? Nehemiah stood his ground because he stood with God. The bottom line today, Nehemiah stood his ground. He stood in God's will and God's calling on his life because he stood with God in his perfect will and on, on his truth in his word. And may we do the same today, New City. May we stand our ground because we're ultimately standing with God and on his truth. To Christ alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me? God, today we thank you for your word and we thank you for this teaching from Nehemiah 6 that in the midst of the enemy that continues to want to inflict damage, even though he's been defeated, the enemy that continues to come at us with attacks, may we stand our ground because we are standing with you and on your truth. I pray for each of us today that you would give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking specifically to us from your word, right where we are today. And would you also give us the faith to go now and to obey, to stand on your truth. I pray this in Christ's name, amen.
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I love that hymn and the truth. It's by his blood that we're saved. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.